It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is episode 142 of Alohomora for June 20th, 2015. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Alohomora, MuggleNet's global reread of the Harry Potter series. I'm Kat Miller. I'm Elena Darcy. And I'm Kristen Keyes. And with us we have our guest, Jeff. Say hello, Jeff. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hi. Welcome, Jeff. Thank you. Um, Good to be here. Tell us which, which house you're in, Jeff. I'm in Ravenclaw. Nice. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Do you have, how did you um, get into Harry Potter? Well, actually, a friend introduced me to the series, and I had a uh, very long commute to work, so I just started listening to the books on CD. So I actually don't think I even read a paper form of the first of the books until maybe Deathly Hollows. Oh wow! Wow! So I That's just listened so cool. to them on CD. Uh, mm-hmm. The Jim Dale the American version, yeah. just loved it. Uh, the voices were amazing. Um, so that's that's kind of got how I got into it, and that was probably uh, 1999, 2000, 2001, somewhere in that time frame. Wow! Awesome. Good for you. Woo-hoo. Wow! Didn't touch a book, an actual book, until Deathly Hallows. I think so. That's hmm. crazy. I know. No, I love I love reading, but I just love love the audio version because with that long commute, it really made the commute you know go. Oh yeah, uh, definitely. I feel yeah. Was it like an an hour, two hours? Oh, like forty five minutes to an hour. Yeah. Yeah, that's a long enough to mm-hmm. me. You had a couple chapters. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's good for for transportation purposes. And uh, speaking of chapters, I want to remind everybody that this week we are going to be discussing Chapter Twenty Four of Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince, Septum Sempra. So before we get into that chapter, we're going to go over some of the recap comments from last week, uh, Chapter Twenty Three, which was uh, Horcruxes. 
So one of our comments that we got here was by Yo Rufus on Fire, which is fabulous. Uh, <laughs> so their question was, do you think that a dark wizard could use Felix Felicis? One of the hosts mentioned how they couldn't see Voldemort frolicking, saying that he knew how to kill Harry. I completely agree with this statement, and I wonder if Felix is the kind of like the Patronus charm, where a dark wizard can't conjure one. Maybe if they drank the lucky potion, then it would just cancel itself out. If your mission was to kill someone, do you think Felix Felicis would just let you do it? I really don't think that you could kill someone under the lucky potion. But if Tom had used liquid luck to retrieve the Horcrux information, I don't think Slughorn would have known about it. I just think Slughorn feels very guilty for giving up that information in general. How would Slughorn have found out that Tom had used the potion to get the information? So I thought that was just a really interesting question to consider the fact that, you know, this lucky potion could stop you if it has this idea that you're doing something wrong. See, <clears throat> hmm, it is interesting, although um, this person is stating that a dark wizard can't conjure a Patronus charm, and it's not dark wizards that can't, it's those that aren't pure of heart. Um, because we do see somebody like Umbridge, who is definitely like a, quote, dark wizard, you know, she's a, a witch with a capital B. Mm -hmm. She can do a Patronus. Um, which is, which means she, you know, thinks she's pure of heart, whatever, whatever. Um, I don't know if it would cancel itself out, though. I do, I think you could still kill someone on Felix Felicis. Felicius, Felicis. <laughs> I do. Um, I think that the potion wouldn't help you do that, but I still think you could kill somebody. Yeah, um, I think you could kill somebody with if you're one Philip or using Philip Felicius. Um, I know that there's an you know kind of the implication that it's kind of innocent and, and naive, but I don't see any reason why why you couldn't. You know, it seems to be neutral, so it's, it could be for good purposes or bad. Yeah, the neutral neutral that that is a good point. I've never um, thought about potions not being dark or light. Um, I've always just kind of seen them as a neutral thing that I've, anybody could use them for any purpose. Like the polyjuice, like Harry and Ron and Hermione, well, kind of Hermione, used it for, I don't know, quote, good purposes in a bad way, if that makes sense. So, But then Draco was still able to use it for deception. So that's a good point. Hmm, neutral. Yeah, it kind of just made me wonder because one of the things I know they were talking about last week was just if, like, where the Felix Felicis potion comes from and, like, what caused Harry to, like, go to uh, go to Hagrid's place. And they said that, you know, there's just kind of this inherent force that makes you do it. And it made me wonder if that same force could sense if you're trying to do something bad. Hmm. But would would you call what Harry was doing trying to do to Slughorn bad or good? No, I don't think that what he was doing, I'm just saying, like, in the instance of, like, if a dark wizard was trying to use it, then, because I, I don't think it negatively affected Harry because he was just trying to get information, but... But that's still but like taking somebody's memory from them. Yeah, he was trying to coerce. I mean, that's not True. exactly a, quote, nice mm -hmm. thing. I mean, yeah. it's a lot nicer than killing somebody, but... <laughs> touché, Kristen, touché. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. I'm not sure that... Um, Slughorn feels guilty or no, I'm sure that Slughorn feels guilty. I don't think he knows if Tom could or didn't use the potion. I'm not sure Tom did. I think Tom is just no, I don't. naturally very persuasive mm -hmm. and he's handsome. Mm -hmm. Maybe, you know, Slughorn, wink, wink, <laughs> never know. 
What? Well, and Slughorn's not the only person that he's influenced, so that's why I don't right, think he exactly. used the potion at all. Yeah. Harry yeah, even talks in the thing before where he was saying, like, he could see that he had this charm about him and he was really good at getting people to do what he wanted them to do. So I don't think exactly. he used the potion either. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. So we have another comment from Minerva's Tartan Biscuit Tin. Uh, <laughs> she says, who was, uh, they were talking last week about, um, the fact that Snape may have, that Lily may have been copying from Snape and getting all the praise for it. And so she asks us, who is to say it wasn't Snape who copied Lily? Maybe he wrote the changes he saw her making in class down into the book. They weren't friends in their sixth sixth year anymore, but seeing how obsessed he still is so many years after her death, I imagine he would have been aware of her doing things in their shared classes. So to feel closer to her, he might have written down some of the changes he saw Lily making. I'm not saying everything he wrote in the book came from Lily, but maybe parts of it. I don't doubt Snape's abilities as a potion maker, but I consider this scenario more likely than Lily copying Snape after she ended their friendship. Oh. That's interesting. Yeah. Snape is obviously incredibly talented, and this implies that Lily was more talented. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say that I don't buy it. <laughs> <laughs> um, only because, well, okay, maybe Lily was more talented at potions, but I think that Snape was probably the um, more accomplished wizard. I mean, look at the look at the book. Look at the Half Blood Prince's book. That's pretty. It's pretty epic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I certainly, it, I think the comment, it definitely doesn't discredit the fact that, like, Snape is obviously great at what he does, but it just, it was kind of a thing I never had considered before that, you know, Lily could have been really great at this thing, and maybe it was even something that they shared, and they had this, both had this love of doing potions. Maybe that's what they bonded and fell in love over. Oh. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yuck. Loves. Uh, this this comment reminds me. I think doesn't it say in the book that uh, someone was looking at the handwriting and someone thought it might have been a girl's handwriting. Yep. Oh. Hmm. So like, oh, as yeah. if Lily had written it, but I don't think Lily Lily wrote it. But it just it's just interesting that someone would look at that and think it was a a woman's handwriting. You know what's funny? This is just a little tidbit for all of you. <clears throat> in the movies, it is a woman's handwriting. Really? Because Mira Fora Mina from Mina Lima is the one who did Snape's handwriting. Boom. So there you go. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. A little tidbit for you. And so our last comment comes from Silver Doe 25, who said, Regarding Nagini, even Dumbledore states that Voldemort seemed to exhibit unusual control over the animal, which is why he theorizes that Nagini is a horcrux. But if she wasn't made a horcrux until the death of Frank Bryce, Nagini still showed a great deal of unsnake-like behavior, even at the very end of book, very start of book four. Frank is still very much alive, but here is Nagini reporting to Voldemort, allowing herself to be milked for meals. I wonder if this is some random snake from Albania. Perhaps Voldemort inhabited Nagini prior to being found by Pettigrew. They, the sharing of the two minds could have been the catalyst for the bond between them. Ooh, I like yeah. that. I could. I feel like wasn't there some confirmation of the fact that well, okay, so before he came back to life in book four, um, I'm pretty. I feel like there was wasn't there some comment or something made by somebody about something somewhere about how he was inhabiting animals to stay alive. Am I wrong? 
I don't know if I remember that, but I know yeah. that like seeing this comment definitely made me like have this oh my gosh moment because it had never occurred to me that that could have been what had happened. Mm-hmm. But it seems pretty likely that, you know, that could have been what caused their bond that they have was that, you know, either he knew Nagini before he lost his body or had to have some kind of bond with her when he was gaining a body again. And what better connection than something like that? Yeah, I have a feeling that it was sometime before he met Quirrell. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I might be wrong. Somebody out there will correct me, I'm sure. I could see that, though, so... Yeah, I think it would be, yeah, I find it so hard to believe that they could have just had that connection formed, like, around the time of book four, Mm -hmm. because for how protective he is of her, it just seems like it's It's too soon. Longer, yeah. Yeah, he doesn't seem like the kind of person who gets super attached to something really quickly, you know, he doesn't get attached (laughs) to anything other than himself, so. Right, yeah, and I mean, and the parcel tongue connection alone wouldn't be enough, I don't Mm -hmm. think. Because he could talk to any snake in the world. You know, why her? But they were best buds. Oh, Biffles. You know, because they, they had all these long, you know, long chats by the fire, you know? <laughs> the two best friends that anyone can have. Yeah. So in the last episode, uh, we were talking about, or you guys were talking about um, the uh, special powers that Harry had. And he, he's downplaying. He's like, you know, what's the big deal? I just have love. But if you think about it, you know, love is, is really powerful. Um, and I, I thought about it in two aspects. One, love implies community and relationships. And because Harry can love, he relies on other people. And this reliance actually enabled him to enlist the, the help he needed in defeating Voldemort. You know, he, he needed help from other people to destroy the Horcruxes. So, so Voldemort hmm. loves nobody? Never? You think he's never loved? That's, that's a tough call. We don't really see any uh, evidence of that in in the books. Um, Did you say he loves Nagini or himself? I wouldn't say he loves Nagini. I, <laughs> I think, think it's, he loves uh, himself, and that's yeah, about he it. loves himself. Yeah, that's about it. You don't think he loves Nagini? I think that he cares about Nagini in her relation to his keeping himself alive. Right. But I don't think huh. that you know if if she wasn't harboring a piece of his soul, I yeah. don't think he'd really care very much he, he loves the way talk, he can protect her we just she talked about him. how strong their. we just talked about how strong their connection mm-hmm. is <laughs> how how can you not think that he loves her i think he could I don't love think her that he loves, yeah i don't i don't think that he loves her in the traditional sense of love no. yeah like, i think that that is the closest thing to love voldemort is ever gonna get mm-hmm. yeah is nagini it's it's Definitely, like, the closest he can get, I think, but he's never, because, I mean, Dumbledore even says this, I think, in the chapter before, where, you know, Harry, because he knows love, he has a soul that's, you know, whole, and that's something that Voldemort can't really understand, so I don't think he can understand love in the way that Harry or anybody else could, but, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, in his own twisted way, he could care and think it's love. Yeah, I I think it's just kind of like a treasure possession you know, how you would love like a trophy on the wall or, you know, an, a family heirloom. Like, I don't I don't think he loves it. It's just a it's a possession and he needs he needs Nagini. He needs it. But I don't think it's I wouldn't say it's love. So more like a fine appreciation. <laughs> I think it's just a it's a it's a it's really a survival. It's a survival protection thing. Yeah, I get that. I think like somebody would like love a gun, you know. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Oh, my. <laughs> I'm sure there are people out there who love their guns. The fact that, um, you know, the greatest ex- exhibition of love 
that you can do is to lay down your life for your friends. You know, um, I'm a Christian and I come from a, a in that kind of worldview that um, that uh, the greatest thing you know, and Jesus laid down his life for for his friends. And that's kind of like the, the ultimate sacrifice, laying, laying down your life for your friends. And so the fact that Harry had that in himself, he, he, he had to be he had to destroy that last Horcrux had to be destroyed. So he had that love within himself to be able to sacrifice himself and kill that that uh, that Horcrux. You know, so that was that was necessary. Someone had to have love within themselves to be able to um, take that ultimate sacrifice and destroy that Horcrux. So, yeah, because there was a discussion last week about um, if Dumbledore should have told Harry at that time that he suspected he was a Horcrux. Mm -hmm. um, and that most, of, I think, if I remember correctly, most of the hosts thought that if Harry had known, he would not have been able to make it to that moment to actually do, you know, the, quote, ultimate sacrifice, quote. Yeah, I think that so. there was something to be said about, like, you know, the, the way that you feel during, like, a war. And if you think about this scenario, when he's in here with Dumbledore, it's kind of like the beginning of the battle. They're just finding out what's about to happen, but he wouldn't have been prepared to handle it at that moment because he doesn't know what he's getting himself into. But mm. when you get into Deathly Hallows, he's there you know, people that he loves are dying around him and he sees the importance of it. And that's the moment in which it's, it's crucial for him to find out because it's actually going to mean something and he knows what he's laying his life down for. Well, speaking of horror cruxes, let's review um, this week's podcast question of the week responses. Um, just a reminder, the question is, if Harry had died and Voldemort had made that six horror crux, which item would the Harry horror crux have been instead? Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Minerva's tartan biscuit tin said, I think he would have taken something from Harry's nursery. It would have been a symbol for Voldemort. That particular killing meant he didn't just get closer to defeating death, but also would kill the prophecy. I actually picture him using a little stuffed animal, like a cute lion James had probably gotten for, for his son, he wouldn't even have to set up protections for that horcrux because who could ever bear to destroy a stuffed animal that belongs to a dead infant? I thought this comment was crazy, <laughs> like in a good way. Continue. Yeah, I just, I really liked this one when I saw it because I, like I liked how it said the lion for James. But <laughs> I think that it, what would be interesting is because 
if he had destroyed Harry and mm-hmm. killed this infant, the idea that he would take something that belonged to that infant as innocent as like a stuffed animal, mm-hmm. I think would have kind of been symbolic of the fact that on a very deep level, I feel like Voldemort probably felt robbed or Tom Riddle felt robbed of his childhood. You know, he didn't get to really grow up. He didn't get to have a loving environment. And clearly as he comes into Harry's home, he sees he's got parents who are willing to die for him. And he's surrounded by these stuffed animals in this happy place. So I think it could have been really interesting for him to have done something like that. My only issue with that is that um, as we're learning throughout this book is that Voldemort, um, the objects that he chooses to place his soul into are incredibly meaningful, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. not only to just himself, but are, you know, historical artifacts so to say with the exception of you know the diary and nagini and well harry (laughs) who isn't even really a horcrux he's just kind of a convenient that's you know anyway um and i'm not exactly sure what voldemort would have used but i'm not sure he would have just taken something random yeah from the house or the nursery or whatever i think again and this all depends on how the horcrux process works like if you have to make it the minute you kill somebody Mm -hmm. or if the energy can be stored and can be made later because for all we know maybe he wasn't even going there to make a horcrux you know i mean has joe said that before i don't know not sure i don't think i don't think 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 it's clear yeah so for all we know voldemort was just going there to kill this kid Mm -hmm. and be done Um, Yeah, I mean, I know she has said before, and I think they even mentioned this last week, that apparently the process of making a Horcrux is so horrible that even her editor looked like they were going to throw up or something. (laughs) Yeah, someone on the the site had posted the interview and the quotes from it, and yeah, it just seemed a little vile. Good for you, Joe. I don't know. But, um... Yeah, I don't... I don't don't see him taking a stuffed animal. It's like an interesting theory that like I liked, but I don't necessarily know that I think that he would have. Mm-hmm. But mm. I really feel like if he had used anything, I think some other people were saying this. Well, it probably would have been his wand. His own wand? Yeah. Because if you think about it, like you wizards treat their wand with extreme reverence. And at that time, um, I think someone else was saying this in the comments. You don't even really know. Snape's mini buttons actually has a comment just like that. So let me go ahead and read it. And they say, I believe Voldemort planned to make a horcrux from Harry's death and that he had to perform the spell at the time of the murder so he would have needed to have the object with him. Nothing unusual was found at the house and Rowling has said that Wormtail took Voldemort's wand from the scene while in his wrapped form so the wand seems to be the only object Voldemort left behind. I think that implies that Voldemort intended to turn his wand into a horcrux. This would be something he would always have with him so he would believe it was safe. He didn't know about the twin cores at that point, so he had no reason to think he'd end up having to replace that wand with the elder wand. If he had planned to live forever, the horcruxes needed to be things that would last forever, and I'm sure at the time he expected to always use that wand. I wonder, though, what it means as far as his giving Lily the chance to stand aside and not be killed. If he had to make the horcrux Right there at the time of the murder, he surely wouldn't have expected Lily to stand around while he went through the process while he went through that process with her murdered baby. Did he expect that she'd flee if she did 
choose to save herself, it seems having her around would be an irritation he wouldn't want or need. Though I guess he'd have no problems stupefying her or something if he had to. Okay, so I'm going to say unequivocally that I completely disagree with this. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that um, Voldemort would use his wand um, to store something like that. Wands are just sticks of wood when it comes down to it. Um, and that was that was proven with Harry's wand. Mm-hmm. I mean, sure, it in the book, correctly, it yes. got fixed. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still just a piece of wood. Mm-hmm. Um, it can get stolen. It can get lost. It can get broken. It can malfunction. Um, you ever wonder I, if like wizards leave their wands around, like we lose our cell phones? Yeah. Uh, keys. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They do. It. Because remember like James Potter, his wand was just sitting on the couch when <laughs> Voldemort came into the house to kill them. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I, I just think that the wand doesn't make sense for me personally it, it doesn't seem um while it's something to be revered it doesn't seem like Voldemort would trust a piece of wood with his soul I don't know I thought that that was kind of like he would consider that to be a powerful object because it's kind of like what he channels his power through so it's certainly yeah. personal to him so that's why I thought that you know that could be a really interesting theory yeah no I think it's interesting I just don't think it's plausible for me yeah, it's not for me. <laughs> That's true. All right, and our last comment comes from I see Thestrals, and they said this would have definitely been the time for him to get his hands on the sword of Gryffindor in relation to Harry, even though he wouldn't have known Harry would end up in Gryffindor. If not the sword, for some reason I imagine a broom. It's a strong symbol of witchcraft and wizardry and has a strong connection with Harry. Though it's something Harry would have owned and cherished and cherished had he survived in this scenario. I think it makes sense for Voldemort to use something Harry cherishes as a horcrux, being he considers Harry to be such a strong opponent. But seeing as Harry's just a baby here, there's not much he would own and cherish just yet, except for a few toys. But in this case, perhaps Voldemort would have used a broom to symbolize Harry, the wizard he would never be. I could see using the Sword of Gryffindor, but I'm not sure if he would use a broom. Yeah, me either. Again, I think that there's got to be an object that we aren't aware of from his past. It just has to be something that, because there's there's just no plausible explanation for something amazing that Voldemort would choose to put that in. Or, again, he didn't go there to make a horcrux. Yes. Well, when you also think about it, though, his whole thing with horcruxes was trying to hit every house. So, I mean, what better place to find something of Gryffindor's than Godric's Hollow? Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, it's true. So maybe he could have thought that he could have recovered something there that he was missing. Right. Mm -hmm. Maybe he went and, like, picked up the giant gravestone or something and was like, yep, this is the next (laughs) horcrux. Here it is. Yeah. Well, I mean, that would kind of almost be Portkey-like, you know, if he had just made, like, the gravestone be the horcrux yeah. <laughs> like who's going to desecrate the gravestone you know that's true right exactly <laughs> i just always imagine like when i read this comment she's talking about toys and brooms is like you remember that picture they find in it's harry zipping around on that toy broom oh, <laughs> i thought yeah. that too only imagine it Voldemort had that as a horcrux <laughs> that was the horcrux <laughs> that was what came to mind when i was reading this comment he's like i'm too like, oh, big to zip around <laughs> 
It's exactly what um, Voldemort would sound like. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Duh. Poor moldy moldy. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, everybody, for sending in your responses to this past week's podcast question of the week. I very much enjoyed reading all your comments. There was like 200 comments combined this week or something. Like, yeah. guys are crazy. Mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah, though. I love it. I like it. All right. So uh, I guess let's move on to chapter 24. Yeah. Yeah. Chapter 24. Sixum Sempra! <laughs> okay, so chapter 24. Guys, that's my lucky number, first off. I know that has nothing to do with the chapter. That's my Whatever. age. Congrats. That's your age? Yes. Congratulations. <laughs> Lots of 24s in this episode. All the 24s. Okay, but this is a really good chapter. I'm really excited so, I'm about it. I'm so hyped to talk about it. I know. Harry dishes the details of his most recent private lesson with Dumbledore and finally realizes that he has blatant, obvious feelings for Ginny Weasley. Katie Bell returns to Hogwarts healthy, but none the wiser. Quidditch is on everyone's mind again, except Harry, who, of course, his mind remains torn between uh, two gingers, mm-hmm. Ron, Ginny, as the final match of the year draws nearer. While stalking Draco, Harry performs a nearly unforgivable curse, and it is Snape to the rescue. Using quick thinking, Harry hides his advanced potion-making copy in the Room of Requirement, while Snape awaits to dish out some cruel and not-so-unusual punishment. Gryffindor wins the House Cup, and Harry wins his inner battle. So, first thing I wanted to talk about here was the return of Katie Bell. Um... Am I the only one who kind of forgot she was gone? <laughs> Rereading this, I still was like, oh, yeah, Katie Bell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, me too. She's I was like, oh, yeah, oh, Katie, back. she comes yeah, back. Yeah, this welcome back. Yeah, welcome back. Yeah, so um, that's cool, but she still has absolutely no idea what happened to her, which is fine. I figured that when you were in imperiest i always used to say imperused but i got yelled at a lot so it's imperious apparently <laughs> um that you would remember something eventually like that the, that that the memory d- doesn't go away forever but i guess it's like total memory loss mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Felix, yeah, well, like amnesia. we don't know that i'm oh, i'm sorry oh i just said i feel like it's like amnesia for them yeah, I was going to say that we don't necessarily know, though, that she was just imperious. They could have cast some kind of memory-blocking charm on her in addition. Ah, oh, touche. That's true. Well, I think it's like hip- hip- being hypnotized. You know, you don't remember what you do when you're hypnotized. Mm-hmm. Unless they tell you to remember, right? <laughs> yeah, okay, Kat. I've, I've never been hypnotized. I don't know yeah, how I've it works. I've never seen anybody hypnotized except on TV. But, you know, she obviously mentions, she goes, oh, I can't remember anything what happened, you know, after I got imperious. Um, But the trio come to the conclusion that it was probably a woman or someone who looks like a woman. And Harry brings up the polyjuice again. And it made me laugh because here's this moment where we're supposed to be thrown off the trail by the mention of the polyjuice. Okay. And we're supposed to think of Draco and like, ha ha. Oh, we know Joe Draco didn't do it, but oh, ha ha. Guess what? He did do it. (laughs) So it's like, she's turning us off the trail by putting us on the trail. I don't know. Oh, Joe. (laughs) She's so clever. (laughs) It just, it struck me more than ever this at this moment Mm -hmm. that Harry's got this all figured out. I mean, obviously there's no polyjuice in this moment, but yeah, Harry's a lot cleverer, cleverer than people try to give him credit for, I think. Because he usually gets Sometimes. it wrong. 
<laughs> he does usually get it wrong. That's true. Well, he's get, he's getting better as he matures. Oh yeah, definitely. Ah uh, yes. Speaking of maturing, <laughs> let's let's talk about let's talk about Ginny a little bit here. Mm-hmm. So, oh my goodness, uh, Ginny! I know this is such a good chapter, Michael. We miss mm-hmm. you that you're not on this chapter to give us another. But um. <laughs> You know, yeah, we'll get, we'll, the we'll thing that got me the most was at one point, like, because with especially with the movies, you never really get to see like what a fleshed out character she is. Mm-hmm. But like, there's this paragraph where Harry's talking about how you know they've been having all these Quidditch practices, and he says, you know, Jimmy oh, yeah. is the life and soul of the team, yeah. and he talks about like them walking back from practices, and it's just all of these like nuanced moments that they're getting to experience together, mm-hmm. and where she's getting to show like what a strong character she is mm-hmm. and you never get to see that in the film i know, you know it's so cute i love how like how close they grow in this chapter together mm-hmm. like they're talking together and they're laughing together and they're walking together and it's he's like, watching Harry's her finally <laughs> yeah he's finally all grown up and i had forgotten the moment where she sticks up for him against hermione and is like yeah. she totally comes at hermione's throat because, yeah, you really don't yeah. see that in the movie. And when I was rereading that, I was like, I always forget that she does stick up for him. And she really does stick up for him. You can tell. And I, I wish that was in the movie. But her, her, yeah, There's lots yeah, of things that we I wish know. were in the movie. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, so at, at the beginning of the whole kind of Harry-Jenny thing as it comes about, Harry is having this inner kind of fight <laughs> with himself about it's it's so funny because he goes Ginny or Ron like yeah. I'm sorry but do you have to choose Ginny or Ron <laughs> like you can only have one and not the other like does he really think that Ron is going to be so <laughs> against him dating Ginny I've never known a guy who had a friend date his sister that wasn't like all right, cool. Like, you're my best friend. I think you're the coolest guy I know. Sure, date my sister. Yeah, that never made sense to me either. I was always just kind of like, he knows that you're a good person and that you'll treat her well, Mm -hmm. so why would he not be all for that? Because, like, that's your best friend. I don't know. I have four brothers. So it's like, that's your best friend, and, you know, you're going to lose your best friend because now they're hanging around with your sister all the time, and it's weird. Mm. I don't know. I can totally see it, like... I mean, I get Mm -hmm. that, but, like, Ginny's legit, and she hangs around with them sometimes anyway. Mm -hmm. But it changes the dynamic of it. Right. It's a whole new relationship. I I wonder if it had been differently – it had been different if he had um, met both of them at the same time and kind of developed this, you know, Mm -hmm. liking for Ginny at the same time he met Ron. But they've had this established – you know, these established relationships where they're just friends. And so to switch over to be, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, it's like, hmm, that's it's kind of odd. And I don't know if Harry was necessarily thinking of it this way, but I mean, it is a possible consequence is that, you know, Ron and Harry have this kind of friendship where Ron has always kind of felt like overshadowed and mm-hmm. like Harry is his best friend. Yeah. And they have this closeness and it's kind of like Ron is someone who's had to share everything else with his family and Harry's kind of like something he kind of gets to keep for himself almost. So mm-hmm. I don't know if Harry recognized that and thought maybe that could be a reason that that could cause some controversy between the two of them. That's giving Harry a lot of credit, but I like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that, you know, he puts some thought into it if that's really what he thinks. But we'll, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> um, 
I do like in here how it mentions that Harry ties the success or the win at the Quidditch match to his success with Ginny. <laughs> and it got me thinking about um, it seems like a lot of good things happen to Harry after they win Quidditch matches. And I wonder if that's just like a thing. Can you guys think of any other time? Maybe I'm re just remembering it wrong, but I feel like happy things always happen after Quidditch matches. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Is that not true? It could be. Well, I feel like the Quidditch matches, whether it's happy or sad, the Quidditch reflects what's going on. It's almost kind of like there's a movie one time where it said, you know, whatever you're reading in class is going to, you know, reflect what's happening in your real life. The Quidditch kind of has that relationship to the storyline. Because huh. you think about like in the third one when, you know, they've got Dementors flying around and that's, you know, the, the darkness that's coming with that ends up making them lose the match and things go badly, you know. Mm -hmm. I guess I was just thinking about, well, I guess Grop's not really a happy thing. <laughs> I mean, he is for Hagrid. Mm -hmm. That happens during a Quidditch match. Maybe, maybe, I'm wrong. maybe you're just thinking of the general euphoria yeah. that follows after a great win that everybody seems maybe. to be in a good mood or, you know, having fun in the common room, slapping each other on the back, laughing, you know, maybe it's just that general good feeling that everyone has after a big win. Yeah. Cause like even in the goblet of fire after the first tournament, I mean the first whatever trial, once he got that egg and everything, then everybody was super excited because it was just all the excitement of he had gotten it and everything. Yeah. He didn't die. Yay! Yeah, he passed the dragon. He got the egg. Now now we're all <laughs> on your side. <laughs> right. <laughs> but did anybody else feel like you really wanted to see that Quidditch match? <laughs> like This one? They talk about it as being such a sweeping, fantastic yeah. victory, and you miss the whole thing. I felt like kind of cheated. I was like, oh. I, I, I like um, where Harry talks about um, Ginny playing Seeker against Cho. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, Ooh, whoa, hello. Like, <laughs> like Strong blatant. females. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, I just love that Joe put that in yeah. there. Like, new relationship, old relationship. Mm -hmm. Strong. Who's going to win? <laughs> oh, I didn't yeah. even think of it like that. Mm -hmm. Oh, that makes yeah. it even Joe. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> Joe. Um, OGM. Oh, gee, there's so many of those. She's yeah. such a smart, smarty pants. Um, <clears throat> but you brought this up earlier, Elena, about the moment where Ginny sticks up for Harry after after the whole thing with Draco goes down, Love which we'll that get to, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, on page five thirty of the U.S. edition, um, they're all they're all fighting about it, and you know, Ginny like yells at Hermione, which never happened. Mm -hmm. She's like, give it a rest, Hermione, by the sound of it. Malfoy was trying to use an unforgivable per unforgivable curse. You should be glad that had Harry had something good up his sleeve. And do you think that that's true? That she thinks that <clears throat> the way Harry retaliated is okay? Yes. Really? Mm -hmm. Why? I mean, just like she said, he was about to do an 
unforgivable curse on him. Like, he thought of something quickly. Of course it was that but, spell. But Draco wasn't going to kill him. And the, I know Harry didn't know what this spell was, mm-hmm. but which, we'll, again, we'll get to in a minute. But, you know, it could, this could have killed Draco. Yeah, but, I mean, look at Neville's parents. Yeah. Um, that curse was Draco, Draco suffering something that was apparently worse than death. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Draco is not Bellatrix. That's that's um, true. I don't think he. I don't think he would have the guts or the balls that she has to do what she did to uh, Allison Frank. Quite honestly, but I mean, it just in general, what's with all this? What's with this fiery reaction? I mean, I know that it's Ginny, but it, is this really just? from defending just really defending harry or is there some kind of underlying thing with hermione going on here that we just don't see between her and ginny um i don't i don't i never saw it that way yeah i think it more has to do with harry Mm -hmm. and i mean she's just she's very like ginny for she never really seems like cutthroat to me but like the comment that she makes to her is just seems really harsh you know, mm-hmm. like she's doing some, she's coming at Hermione's intelligence, which is something that you just like don't do, you know? Yeah. You mean when she's talking about like, you don't understand Quidditch. Yeah. She says, yeah. Like, You'll embarrass yourself. Like, yeah, I think that she just, there's a thing, you know, when you get caught up in a moment, you say things that are harsher than you normally would. And mm-hmm. I feel like just how she feels about Harry and just the severity of the fact that you know, she he could have killed him. She doesn't know yeah. that that couldn't have happened. Yeah. Now, are you thinking of underlying between Hermione and Ginny? Like, Ginny is jealous of Harry and Hermione's relationship, or no? no okay. Because mm-hmm. I th- I think I think Ginny and Hermione are close enough to know that yeah. who likes who and this you yeah know, definitely. Like, I just didn't know. Like, what do you mean, like underlying? No, or, you know, I just mean that, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes, like, you can be friends with buddy, somebody for a long mm-hmm. time. You don't ever fight with them, but there are things about each other that really, you know, piss you mm-hmm. off. And so then something like this comes about where there's this guy that you've liked for a long time and you're defending yeah. him, but instead you take out your anger on your friend that you've never taken out on your friend before. I, I think I think, yeah. I think that's exactly what's happening. I think Ginny's finally starting to, like, really be comfortable around Harry, and maybe she's even thinking that, you know, this could, uh, you know, this, you know, this could be my chance. This could be where we really start, you know, having a, a serious relationship, you know, or at least closer, closer to that. And um, so she's starting to feel protective of Harry. And I think this uh, outburst from Ginny is kind of like um, accumulation of frustration because, you know, Hermione's really giving Harry a hard time here. You know, she's like letter of the law, like, you shouldn't have done this, you know, you still in that book. And, and Ginny's like, you know, just back off. You know, we're talking about somebody's, you know, Harry's life here. You know, what, you're, you're like being all, um, you know, precise and, and letter of the law. And Ginny's like, let's not lose focus here that this is Harry. It was, you know, really in danger. So Ginny's more upset about the fact that Hermione is being a little too insensitive to the fact that it's her best friend basically one of her best friends that is in this problem. Yeah. And I think because they mentioned even in this chapter that, you know, Hermione has this sort of like 
knowing thing when she's telling Harry, oh, by the way, they broke up. So it's like, I feel like Ginny and Hermione had to have talked about this. And Hermione knows. So Mm -hmm. I think that it's also kind of Ginny, Ginny probably has already told Hermione. And now here Hermione is trying to yell at Harry at this like really pivotal time. And it's kind of just all of those emotions just sort of fire up. And she's probably also just upset about the Quidditch match too. Um, all right, so let's move on to the uh, namesake of this chapter, which is, of course, Sectum Sempra. Um, we have lots to talk about here, obviously, um, since this is kind of the title of this chapter. And for once, it actually is um, kind of a significant event in this chapter. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it's the biggest event in the chapter. I guess it depends on which storyline you think is uh, bigger. Anyway, so um, the quote for Sectum Sempra is on page 518 of the U.S. edition, and it says, Harry was about to put his book away again when he noticed the corner of a page turned down, or folded down. Turning to it, he saw a Sectum Sempra spell, captioned, Four Enemies, that he had marked a few weeks previously. He had still not found out what it did, mainly because he did not want to test it around Hermione. But he was considering trying it out on McLagan next time he came up behind him unawares. So first off, okay, um... McLagan? <laughs> like, is McLagan an enemy? <laughs> well, he did that make jumped out at me so hardcore. <laughs> I think he's like a, the, a bully. You know, I think he's like, he thinks he's everything and he's mm-hmm. prideful and arrogant. And I think it's, you know, the number one person that Harry would, you know, it's kind of irritated by mm-hmm. right at this point. Especially over Yeah, Quidditch. I'm not sure that. I'm- I mean, I'm just not sure that qualifies like a badass spell. I mean, obviously, we don't know what it means yeah. yet. Right. Harry has no idea what it means. The notion of lo- him doing it in front of Hermione just really freaked me out when I was reading it. Could Yeah, could you imagine her standing there if he did that to somebody? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think she'd disown mm-hmm. him. <laughs> At least momentarily. Yeah. Yeah. I, right? I yeah, I can't imagine that. That just, like, went reading that for some reason, that was the mental image I got, and it just, like, thoroughly upset me. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, Jeff, you looked up the def- definition of the word, yeah, too, yeah. which I thought was really cool. So, secta means to cut or wound, and sempra means always. So, you put them two together, it's like to cut or wound always or continually. That's that's, mm-hmm. uh, that's pretty that's pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Disturbing. So I just this made me think of the fact that all these spells are in Latin. Don't you think by the sixth year they would have learned some Latin or at least knew where to find <laughs> the information? You know, it, it, I think especially, especially like Hermione. Why didn't she kind of put that together? You know, she's you would think she would be the one that would look up the definitions mm-hmm. of these spells. You know, I think they should have a course. You know, they probably should have a course in Latin. So when you're making up your spells or, you know, so you can know what these spells do, you know? And yeah, Harry, I mean. If Harry had looked up the Latin roots of this, you know, he would have known yeah. how serious the spell was. That's that, That's true. not Harry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. But um, the Latin class, that's, that's not a bad Mm-mm. point. I mean, Snape invented the spell, mm-hmm. seemingly, right? So, I mean, he says he did, yeah. right, at the yeah. end. Yeah. I always um, wondered how it is that you could, like, create a spell. Because, obviously, like, every spell had an origin point. But I would really love it, like, to know, like, from Joe, like, what actually goes into the process of making a spell. Well, we'll add it to the list of things yes, we're going to yeah. ask for someday. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, Snape obviously knows Latin. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Somehow, I mean, otherwise he wouldn't have been able to come up with this. It's not like he was just like, hmm, what am I going to call this yeah. spell? Oh, yeah, sectum sempra. That's a very simple word that I just thought of <laughs> out of thin air. Yeah, so. Hmm. Yeah, and if the books show us anything, it's that the words you use have power, so. We touched on this a little bit before, but do you think that in this moment, Harry's use of the spell is warranted? I mean, it does seem like Draco is going to say crucio. But does that really make it okay? I mean, they both did try other spells first. We don't know what Draco was shooting at Harry because Harry was blocking them and rolling in Harry's head. Mm-hmm. Um, but that spell wasn't necessarily Crucio. Um, just because it started out as Crucio, maybe it was something else. I don't know. Just it seems Harry jumped to this a little bit quickly i think it was a panic move really Mm -hmm. because it's something that was fresh in his mind from having just seen it and you know if you're he's getting one of the unforgivable curses fired at him so i feel like he's gonna go for whatever the first thing in his arsenal is and that just happened to be it Mm -hmm. and he didn't know what it was gonna do either so my question is why not expelliarmus because that is (laughs) harry's go-to spell it is maybe because he's up against his enemy and like Elena said, like he had just had that fresh in his mind and he's like, well, here's my number one enemy right now who's coming at me with these unforgettable curses. I'm going to use this. Try it out. We'll see what happens. Yeah, and he had great success with the other advice that the Half-Blood Prince had given him. So mm-hmm. he's like, you know what? He hasn't let me down yet. Yeah. Let me try this. Mm-hmm. I mean, but that's not necessarily true because the other advice he was taking was how to make potions. Not spells. The only other spell he got out of the books was Levi Corpus, which, if you remember, hung Ron upside down by his mm-hmm. ankle over his bed. Mm-hmm. So I think if he had taken that memory into account, he would say, oh, this is probably more serious than I think it is. Maybe I shouldn't try it. Well, it is for an enemy, so I would assume he would have known it was serious. I personally still mm-hmm. don't think that it's okay. I mean, well, I mean, I don't think it's okay, but <laughs> yeah, same. Yeah, I think I think we had the benefit of twenty twenty hindsight because we know what it's going to do, but he really had no idea. You know, here's a sixteen year old boy who's basically like in a fist fight, mm-hmm. and he's going to use whatever he has at his arsenal. You know, kicking, yep. punching, and this is what came to mind. And you know, he he didn't know what it was going to do. He just like, oh, it's my enemy. Yeah, but I'm going to use it. You know, I, mm-hmm. we don't. He didn't have. He didn't know what he was going to do, and we had the hindsight of twenty twenty vision. So it seemed. Per, it actually seems really reasonable that he would use it to me. Mm-hmm. I agree. But also, like, why did Malfoy jump straight to the attack instead of his usual sass? You know, usually they have like a couple lines of like, "Ha Potter, you stink!" Bah, bah. But this time it was like Draco turns around and just boom, done. I feel like it was because Draco didn't like if you think about all those other times where he's being super sassy mm-hmm. he isn't in a vulnerable place exactly mm-hmm. but harry has just come in on him at this very scared moment where he feels like if i don't do this i'm gonna die and he's crying and it prompts him to have a much more emotional reaction than he would normally have mm-hmm. i mean he's definitely yeah already emotional he's crying i think i think the key word here is desperation Mm-hmm. Draco is really in a desperate state right now. He's not thinking clearly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's talking to Moaning Myrtle of all people. <laughs> so. 
to oh, be honest. Myrtle. Oh, Myrtle. I mean, she does have one of my favorite lines in this chapter. Murder! Yeah. <laughs> Murder in the bathroom! Murder! I don't know. It's just... I'm surprised Peeves didn't jump in here and start squawking, too. Yeah. Singing a song about I it. Tried, I, I try not to laugh at that part, but I can't help it. It's just... Oh, I, I laughed. <laughs> Myrtle's yeah. funny. I don't know. It's like, I always felt like this... This chapter in particular is such a roller coaster because you start off yes. like, you know, kind of chill. And then it has this moment where I remember the first time I read this, I was like, I felt emotionally scarred because it just came out of nowhere that it's like blood everywhere mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And then it goes back to like fluff yeah, by the end. Yeah, then we end with a kiss. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. I mean, Joe's good mm-hmm. at that though. She is, she's a, she's a, a uh, web weaver, as they say, you know. I mean, look at look at all the connections mm-hmm. that there are between like the books, you know. So. so you know, we all are aware of the ring theory between the books. Um, you know, like there's echoes of one and seven and two and six and three and five. But actually, John Granger said that there's ring theories actually within the books themselves, within each of the books themselves, and he huh. proposes that, um, like. The first and last chapters of the book will have parallels and, and mirrors of images of each other. And so the second and next to last chapter would also. And so in this case, with Half-Blood Prince, um, you know, we're doing chapter 24. So I decided to you know, put the theory to the test. Now, so I went back to chapter 7, which would be its mirror image. You know, because you have uh, 2 and 29, 3 and 28, 4 and 27, 5 and 26, 6 and 25, and then 7 and 24. So... I read through them, and, uh, you know, in chapter 24, here we have uh, Draco on the ground, covered in blood, with Harry standing over him, right? Mm-hmm. You go back to chapter 7, which is the slug club, and, you know, Harry uh, is Harry and Neville, and Ginny are in the slug club, and then he leaves, and he's following Blaze Zabini, and then he, you know, goes into the compartment, the Slytherin compartment, and what happens at the end of that scene uh, Harry's on the ground, cover of blood, having huh. just been cursed by Draco, and and Draco standing over him. So I just thought that was an amazing. Yeah. I I, just, I mean I just couldn't believe that was a coincidence that you'd have that mirror image of Harry being on the ground with covered of blood, and then Chapter Twenty Four Draco on the uh, ground covered of blood. Yes. Yeah, that is a little bit more than convenience, yeah. isn't it? That's crazy. It's mm-hmm. Completely brilliant. Cat, mm-hmm. Cat, oh, cool. I think that qualifies as the OGM moment. I think so. I think this might be the, I think it might be the OGM of the episode. I mean, I think this whole chapter has like 20 yeah. OGMs in it. <laughs> um, that was just mind-blowing, though. That's pretty cool. I know. I'm going to have to go back and look at all the other ones now. I know, it makes you want to, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Before we finish, and speaking of the Half-Blood Prince, let's let's talk a little bit about Snape and the advanced potion-making book in this chapter. Um <clears throat> So as we know, all know, after this exact moment where Draco is lying in a pool of blood and water, um, Snape comes to rescue Malfoy and performs the counter curse three times and then takes him off to the hospital wing. And he's like, do not move. And Harry's like, yep, I'm staying right <laughs> yeah. here. Like, didn't even think to let go anywhere mm-hmm. else, which is so unlike Harry. Because yeah. he knew he knew this time that he was in some yeah. deep, like, deep phoenix poop. Like, he was... Wow, he was, phoenix poop. Yeah. Well, I couldn't say the other word. Yeah, it's a, it's a but, why, family show. but why a phoenix? I mean, they could have chosen a basilisk. 
I could have. That's <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> Phoenix poop is little, probably. Basilisk poop is big. So I think this qualifies as basilisk poop then. I mean, maybe, but it would cover Harry. There's just too much of it. This escalated okay. so quickly. Oh, Lord, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so Snape comes back to the bathroom, and Harry's like, he knew it was going to happen before he could even stop it. Snape, you know, um, does legitimacy, quote, reads his mind, and demands to see Harry's books, okay? So this whole section of the chapter is amazing. It's so mm-hmm. great. Harry runs upstairs, covered in blood and water, <laughs> and everybody in the halls is what? like, whoa, dude, yeah. what's wrong with you? I mean, but I guess you'd be used to seeing Harry Potter run through the through the halls of Hogwarts with blood all Nothing over Nothing new here. Day, Hogwarts. Yeah. <laughs> there goes Harry again. <laughs> Bloody Harry. Uh, yeah, it's okay. I mean, maybe that's his nickname, yeah. Bloody Harry. Hi, Harry. Instead Hi, of Harry. Bloody Mary. Get it? Uh, Bloody Harry. Uh, <laughs> oh. Bloody Harry. I'm yeah. going to order that next anyway, time. There's so, an episode title for you. <laughs> yeah. So they get so they get upstairs. Or Harry gets upstairs and he's like, Ron, give me your book. Give me your book. And so Ron gives him the book. And Harry, of course, as we know, goes down to hide his in the room of requirement. And this part is Brill. A million times Brill. So there's mountains of hidden things in here. And the first thing I thought of is like, wouldn't somebody want to go in there? Because there has to be something extra cool hidden in mm-hmm. that room. I'm just saying. And my other thought was, what if there are other relics from the founders in there that could be hidden? And maybe, maybe we know that Voldemort had come back before for the diadem. What if he wanted to peruse that room for other things, too? Could have been his Gryffindor artifact. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, there could be something in there for all we know. There's a lot of stuff in that room. Some good history. A lot of stuff. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think so, that was my favorite brilliant moment of this chapter is just the fact that it's like, oh, and there was a tarnished tiara and it mm-hmm. ends up being one of the most important objects of the last book. I know. So that's the part I was just going to read. It's on page 526 oh. of the U.S. edition. And um, completely it's a good it. paragraph. <laughs> it's a good paragraph long. So um, maybe I'll get Michael to put this in for me. If not, I apologize. You have to listen to my crappy voice for a minute <laughs> or two. Um It says, Harry hurried forward into one of the many alleyways between all of this hidden treasure. He turned right past an enormous stuffed troll, ran on a short way, took a left at the broken vanishing cabinet in which Montague had gotten lost the previous year, finally pausing besides a large cupboard that seemed to have acid thrown at its blistered surface. He opened one of the cupboard's creaking doors. It had already been used as a hiding place for something in the cage that had long since died. Its skeleton had five legs. He stuffed the half-blood prince's book behind the cage and slammed the door. He paused for a moment, his heart thumping horribly, gazing around on all the clutter. Would he be able to find this spot again and missed all the junk? Seizing the chipped bust of an old, ugly warlock from the top of a nearby crate, he stood it on top of the cupboard where the book was now hidden, perched a dusty old wig and a tarnished tiara on the statue's head to make it more distinctive, then sprinted back through the hallways of hidden junk as fast as he could go. Back to the door, back out onto the corridor where he slammed the door behind him, and it turned at once back into stone. So, two major drops mm-hmm. in ten sentences. Huge. Crazy. I know. <laughs> I know. She's amazing. This book, it's funny because I, I feel like Michael has brought this up before, I think, about some. sometimes the books follow this kind of formula about how we're given information, how 
you know, Harry's usually wrong most of the way through, and then something happens at the end, and he's like, click, figured it mm-hmm. out. This book's kind of the opposite, mm-hmm. where he knows something's going on, he knows who it is, and kind of why he's doing it. You know, he knows what the influence is coming from. Mm-hmm. And then we're just given these little, like, boop, 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 little, like, mm-hmm. I'll just stick with the theme, little turds throughout the book. <laughs> <laughs> that, oh, you know, no. that... <laughs> that um along the way you know kind of yeah that just <laughs> right, exactly that just fit the whole story together for us and this is just one of those lovely moments mm-hmm. um which also leads into another really funny part of this chapter <laughs> when harry brings the book back to snape and uh <laughs> snape's like this is your copy of the book and he's like yeah and you, he's like you're sure of that yep he goes this is the copy of advanced potion making that you purchased at flourish and bots Yes, said Harry firmly. Then why, asked Snape, does it have the name Runel Waslib <laughs> written inside the front cover? Harry's heart missed a beat. That's my nickname, he said. <laughs> and your nickname, repeated Snape? Yeah, that's what my friends call me. And I mean, I could just keep reading, but it's so funny. This is... Yeah, my friends call me. <laughs> this is Harry at its yes. best. Um, I I love this Harry. Um <laughs> it's just it's brilliant and any interaction like this with snape and harry i'm down this mm-hmm. is like the uh no need to call me sir yes oh i love that part <laughs> it's brilliant sass um, harry is my favorite harry <laughs> yeah absolutely so then of course you know snape having absolutely none of that gives harry detention every saturday for the remainder of the term which is only about four weeks so really not that hard of a detention for mm-hmm. you know like harry's getting off a little kind of easy mm-hmm. except having to miss match miss the last quidditch match mm-hmm. you know thing. that's huge yeah. for harry and, and snape knows that yeah that's and true. there's not that Nobody's much school trying to left. injure him that way yeah but for attempted murder it's not a bad uh punishment no i feel like he has gotten off easy on this i mean this was you know an irresponsible move to say the least. And um, I feel like he probably should have been in bigger trouble. Mm-hmm. This, you know, I, I was thinking about this before. It's like, you know, is this the biggest, is this the biggest trouble Harry's ever been in? You know, I mean, this is like, he almost killed somebody, you know, this is really serious. He could have, he could totally have been expelled for this. You know, it's the irre- I mean, it's the irresponsible nature. I think of it that's the worst. Like he did something he didn't even know what it was going to do. You know, just really irresponsible. Think about it this way: if this were a Muggle school, and a teacher walked in to see a student on the ground with as much blood on him as Draco had on him, um, yeah, that student would be expelled in a heartbeat. So, but then Snape's detention, his big punishment for Harry is to go through these boxes of cards that Filch had. And it's like discipline cards. Mm-hmm. You know, it says the records of other Hogwarts wrongdoers and their punishments. Like, is this light reading for Filch? Why <laughs> why does why does Hogwarts have these? What is the point of keeping these records? For punishment like, like this. <laughs> but it's dumb. I don't know. Oh, it just seems silly. Well it's like in high schools when they threaten you, this will go on your permanent record, mm-hmm. you know. I think this is more of a Filch thing. That's how I read this. It's not like a Hogwarts thing. Mm-hmm. It's just Filch. He just 
being the squib that he is, it's like this is like his little power trip, you know. I'll yeah. I'll keep tabs on all these little wizards. Yeah. I'd love to know what some of those things said. But yeah, so I mean, we already talked about the kiss, but that's how the chapter ends. So brilliantly. Um, mm-hmm. Brilliantly, yeah. The several sunlit days is one of my favorite lines in the whole book. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, with that, guys, that is uh, chapter twenty-four. Our Sectum Sempra. It's just funny that you kind of, by the end of the chapter, you kind of forget what happened to Draco. You forget that Katie Bell came back. Mm-hmm. You know, you 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 are the kiss kind of overshadows those things, isn't it weird? Yeah, well, J.K. Mm-hmm. does that. You know, she she does these amazing dark things, and then she'll turn around and like somebody will fall off a chair. You know, just yeah. she juxtaposes those dark and light moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was guess- funny when going back to read it, like it's been a while since I've read it. And I actually forgot that like this was the same chapter where you have, you know, this thing that happens to Draco and then it's also the kiss chapter. And it was mm-hmm. kind of a pleasant reminder of what a good writer she is yeah. and how she can give you so many emotions in such a short amount of time. That's why I like this chapter so much. That's why I was like, I definitely want to be down for this one. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's funny. Most of her chapters are between 18 and 24 pages. Mm-hmm. Um, and this happened to be kind of one of the longer mm-hmm. ones. I noticed um, that. But, but yeah, roller coaster all the way through. All right, let's go into this week's podcast question of the week. And my question to you all is, in this chapter, we know Snape uses legitimacy to discover that Harry has been using the Half-Blood Prince's book. Once Snape discovers this information, what does he do with it? Does he tell Dumbledore? How does Snape having this information influence the rest of this book and his overall story arc? I can't wait to read what you all put down for this question. And don't forget, you can leave your responses over on the main page, which is alohomora.mugglenet.com. We want to thank you, Jeff, again, so much for joining us. We hope you had a really fun time. Yeah, it was a blast. Thank you so much for having me on. Good, absolutely. Thank you so much for pointing out the circle theory thing. That is so freaking cool. Mm-hmm, definitely. Yeah, I'm, I'm anxious to see what uh, there's comments on that and see how people feel about that. Oh, there's going to mm-hmm. be comments on that. Are you, are you um, do you comment on the main site? Not, 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 not often. What name do you use when you do? Uh, Colossians 3 Man. All right, cool. So we will look out for you and everybody like send Jeff your comments. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> you know. There you go. So if you guys would like to be on the show, you can always visit our main page, which, as Kristen said, is alohamora.mugglenet.com. Um, all you really need is a set of Apple headphones or, you know, some good headphones that have a speaker with them. Uh, don't really need any fancy equipment or anything. And uh, while you're there, you can also download a ringtone for free, which is super exciting and magical. Yeah, the ringtones are pretty. Mm-hmm. They're so fetch. Dope. Right. Okay. So fetch. They're on fleck. Yeah. Stop trying to make fetch a thing, Kat. <laughs> Did you just say on flick? Yes. <laughs> no. Isn't it on fleek? Oh. I thought so. On Flitwick? Yeah, mm, on there Flitwick. You there you go. We're going to start a new trend. All right. In the meantime, if you guys all just want to stay in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter at AlohomoraMN, Facebook.com slash Open the Dumbledore. Our Tumblr is MN Alohomora Podcast. And our phone number is 206-GO-ALBUS. Of course, that's 206-462-5287. And don't forget, you can always leave us an audio boom. It is free. All you need is an internet connection and a microphone. Go over to alohomora.mugglenet.com. That little sidebar on the right, there's a green button that says, leave us a message. Click it, record, keep it under 60 seconds, and 
you just might hear it on the show. And while you're there leaving a message, don't forget to check out our wonderful store where you can find house shirts like Dust Pig, the Mandrake Liberation Front, Minerva is My Home Girl, and so much more. <laughs> and of course, don't forget about our smartphone app. Um, it has changed a little bit in the recent weeks. Um, I think now that it's Podcast Source now instead of Podcast Box. And we are getting a standalone app. So it's going to change again in the next few weeks. So just keep paying attention to the show. We'll let you know when it changes, how to change, and all of that. But at the moment, it is available seemingly worldwide. Um, or as Eric likes to say, on this side of the pond and the other. <laughs> Prices vary depending on your location. You can find things on there like transcripts, bloopers, alternate endings, host vlogs, and more. Um, generally, it's really pretty funny or very insightful things. So definitely go ahead and check it out. But for now, that's the end of our episode. So I think we're going to sign off. I'm Kat Miller. I'm Elena Darcy. And I'm Kristen Keys. Thank you for listening to episode 142 of Alohomora. Open the Dumbledore. Did I say Snape? I meant Dumbledore. I mean, I meant Voldemort. <laughs> oh, you know what? No, you did. Character. Okay, I was confused. No, you're right. I was, I was like, wait, what? Voldemort love Lily? <laughs> Sorry, I was, I was, I was thinking Snape. I'm sorry. No, thinking. he was just reading fan fiction before the. Uh, before the <laughs> yeah, show. So he's a little, he's a little, he's a little yeah, backwards. He's be like, as well. I somehow have missed that trip in yeah. all my years. <laughs> <laughs> Valdi and Lily. Oh, oh man. Valili. I mean, they almost. Valili. Valili. <laughs> <Vol-lily. laughs>